Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to our special series on Malcolm X and Black Nationalism on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Megu. I also host my own podcasts, Independent Thought and Freedom, and also a story club, Global Politics and Global Cultures. In this series, we delve into the background of Malcolm X's action and thought in the context of Black Nationalism correcting the fundamentally mistaken notion that Malcolm X was a civil rights leader. He certainly did not see himself in that way and explicitly argued otherwise. This helps us place the Afro-American struggle in its dimensions beyond the current American nation-state, including the Black Atlantic and beyond. Today, our guest is Jared Ball, co-editor of A Lie of Reinvention, Correcting Manning Marbles, Malcolm X, published in 2012 by Black Classic Press. Welcome, Jared. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I I really look forward to our conversation. It's great to have you here. Uh, So where are you joining us from? Well, I am officially in Columbia, Maryland, which is a small planned city, almost uh, right in the midway point between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, Maryland, where I work and teach at Morgan State University. Okay, good, good, good. Um, yeah, We like to start off the um, interviews normally by asking our authors to give us a little background uh, to yourself and particularly in relation to the subject of your book. So can you please do that? Sure. Well, uh, before anything academically or even journalistically, uh, I come to uh, all of these subject areas primarily as a grassroots activist, uh, someone who had been supporting uh, and in some ways even technically raised within uh, the black and leftist traditions here in the United States. so uh, for a long time, for uh, the last couple of decades, particularly, I've been engaged in and trying to support uh, any number of primarily black grassroots uh, and radical uh, political formations uh, and media and journalistic out uh, 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 production that supports that kind of work. Uh, academically, I am I come uh, professionally by way of Africana studies, uh, and I always like to make the particular point that uh, Africana that I went to the Africana Studies and Research Center at Cornell University, uh, which is of particular importance to this history because of its role in the development of a particularly um, grassroots, radical, struggle based. Black Studies tradition. Uh, and in particular, I had the pleasure of uh, studying under the director at that time, Dr. James Turner, who is himself a legendary figure and in many ways uh, a disciple of and one who had worked with and supported Malcolm himself. So uh, from there, uh, completing uh, you know academic work 
in journalism and, and uh, media studies. Uh, my work academically and journalistically, is, journalistically rather, has basically been uh, an attempt to combine those traditions uh, in service to ongoing uh, political struggle here in the States and throughout the diaspora. All right. You know, I just uh, I'm curious when you talk about uh, being raised in a black and leftist traditions, uh, can you be specific? Sure. I mean, well, I was born to and raised by my uh, European descended uh, mother who comes out of uh, a radical communist and Jewish tradition. Uh, so uh, raised within atheist, communist, socialist, labor union sort of uh, mythology and, and politics. Was that uh, in New York? No, no, no. Uh, in, 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 in D.C., Washington, D.C. initially. Okay. Right. And uh, my uh, African-descended, uh, or new African-descended, as we might say in some cases, mm-hmm. Black father, who was himself involved in uh, the Congress of Racial Equality and then the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, uh, okay. and, he, uh, and then also was a co-founder of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. So... Uh, just sort of politically, and I do like to, you know, to whatever extent it needs to be, I talk about it autobiographically, like to make the point that it it uh, uh, involves a lot of um, positive mythology and mm-hmm. political uh, ideology that uh, encourages these kinds of political trajectories. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so that's really what I mean. But so uh, long before I even uh, engaged as an adult in, in, in the kind of activist work I've looked to support, it's been... Uh, these are the ideas that have just always been a part of my upbringing. So, right, right, very interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, about this book, can you explain why and how you came to write this book, particularly? So, uh, like many in academia, and I think just broadly speaking, black uh, political spaces or black public spheres, uh, there had been a long time discussion, uh, and particularly within academic circles. Um, first of, of this, uh, uh, always of the missing chapters of Malcolm's autobiography, what happened to them, where they were, who had them, uh, who would be able to sort of uh, uh, excavate them, so to speak, and, and offer them up for analysis. And for years, we had been hearing about uh, Manning Marable, uh, leading that effort. Um, and because he was known to many of us, if at, at, if nothing else, uh, uh, an incredibly productive and prolific uh, uh, author and writer and scholar of black history, uh, someone wi- widely accepted as being open, at least at minimum, to left-leaning and radical ideas. Uh, uh, Obviously, not everyone agrees within any of these spaces, but every, I, I think for a long time, at least, it was sort of generally accepted and known and, and welcomed that he would be the one to do this. He was, per, you know, you know, well situated uh, at um, uh, Columbia University. He had, uh, relatively speaking, a lot of time and a lot of money academically and a lot of space to do this kind of work, which is all that is required. 
Uh, and then when I had been doing some radio in D.C. Uh, in the years just before the publication of his of this book, um, where I had interviewed him previously, I had, uh, uh, you know, uh, engaged his work. I was a fan of his work. Um, but as anything I was, in particular, Du Bois or, or, or anything else well, well, that you're a all, fan of? First of all, my co-editor, Dr. Todd Stephen Burroughs, uh, had long introduced me to uh, even work I had not been familiar with, which was a lot of his more, um, more newspaper uh, writing and journal article writing, mm-hmm. which covered a lot of these uh, black left individuals and ideas. But particularly for me, and, and at the time I was doing radio, it was his work, uh, How Capitalism Underdeveloped Black America, which, of right. course, w- for for obvious reasons was its connection to uh, the, the, the true classic uh, from Walter Rodney, uh, how capitalism underdeveloped Africa uh, was of great interest to us. So, so I, I but he's written, I'm not even remembering everything, but that was at the time I remember the, the book and prim, uh, primarily I had uh, read very carefully and was interviewing him yeah. about. Yeah, definitely. He's he just a figure in the whole sort of, you know, black intellectual. Right. Yeah, yeah. And a public intellectual. So we had also seen yep. him on television and he would he would discuss and panel with all, you know, members of, of black punditry and, and political figure. I mean, so he was a well-known figure. So, again, yeah. regardless of where people fell on the political spectrum, I, I, generally speaking, obviously, I can't speak for everybody, but it just there was a general feeling, I think, that we were comfortable that he would at least be the, the he would be the one getting these missing chapters, so to speak. Right. Um, but just as we were doing radio at the time, just before the book was published, uh, A Life of Reinvention, we started to hear and then read, in particular, the f- first review for us from Carl Evans, who those will know had written The Judas Factor and several other books on the life and, and assassination of Malcolm X. And he had you know, long been a, 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 a black investigative journalist and reporter uh, of, of, you know, good standing and, and good work. So when we read his review, that is uh, Dr. Burroughs and I, who was uh, a, a co-host, uh, at least from time to time on the radio with me, when, when we saw the, the review from Evans, and, which was scathing, mm-hmm. we became a little concerned, obviously, uh, that things weren't going in the way we, we had hoped. Uh, and of course, by the time we got the book and saw, uh, really what are just an unending list of errors, uh, we, we, um, not only wanted to do radio about it, but then we're happy to answer the call when, uh, Paul Coates at Black Classic Press reached out to see if we would right. be interesting in, 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 editing that book. So, um, that's the, I guess the shortest version I can give of how we came to yeah. it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think some people might be wondering and and I guess I'd I'd be interested as well. You know, there are lots of books we disagree with, right? I mean, most books, if you want to put it that way, if you're a very opinionated person. And I mean, um, but this one now you, you, you know, it, it inspired a direct rejoinder. Now, now the the impetus, you know, you, you were invited to it in, a, in you know, so it, it's not directly from yours but but there is there, you know there's this passion for directly um answering this book and, and writing a book whose title is a direct answer to the book which is unusual um it, it's not the first time but it still is is not usual so so what 
inspired this direct opposition so fervently that uh, that instead of writing, say, another book that would compete with it, you, you're writing a direct critique of it. You know, um, what what was it that um, you think animated, uh, you know, the, the publisher and uh, yourself and, and the other contributors um, to, to do it? What what was it that that really pushed the buttons? Well, I, I, first of all, it's the figure, the subject himself, Malcolm X, who, uh, if not more than anyone, at least as much as any single human being in the African diaspora has been, been a symbol of black liberation, if not just for black people in the United States, for people all, all around the world. Uh, so that's certainly part of it. The other part was the the nominal author, Manning Marable, who we just discussed, was himself a tremendous figure within Black studies. Uh, and then not the least of which, which was that this was coming out uh, as, as a product of Viking Press, which meant automatically this was going to be uh, an enormous uh, 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 product, product. It's going to be have, have an enormous impact. And it's going to be something that generates a, a lot of discussion and it's going to be part of the so-called uh, permanent record of the history of Malcolm X. Uh, and I think as I, I and others were right in, in thinking, would uh, all of which would have ramifications going well into the future. And years later, it's still, uh, that book is still uh, in, in some ways even increasing in its, in its relevance. So uh, we wanted to, uh, in many ways, or as many ways as we could, try to respond. Now, part of it is, you know, we were, we were uh, part of it is realities in terms of how we responded is, it, uh, has a lot to do with the realities of our, our, our careers and where we were at the time, and, and in some cases still are. That is, in part, uh, for those who don't know, most of us who teach at historically black colleges and universities where I and Dr. Burroughs were at the time, uh, he has since... Uh, moved on to independent journalism, I'm still there. Uh, first of all, we're teaching four, four courses, which is eight courses a year, which is a lot, which limits mm -hmm. the amount of work we can produce academically. Uh, th then there was the humility of uh, myself and, and my colleague in thinking this is not something that should be responded to individually. Uh, and that in part, this is one of the reasons why we think that so many of these flaws of scholarship uh, actually exist, that that academia encourages independent work. Often it doesn't uh, allow for the kind of collaborative work that is often re you know, required or should be required. Uh, personally speaking, you know, Dr. James Turner used to advocate this uh, and still does, actually, that 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 Africana scholars work more collaboratively. Uh, and then we wanted to bring to bear a lot of the different voices and different perspectives, um, uh, offering different reasons for their critique uh, of uh, the book that I often des describe now as, as, as being attributed to Marable. Yeah. Uh, I've increasingly come to think that he had little to do or less to do with the final product. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, given his health and, and all of that, but, but, mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, uh, so that was one of, you know, that was ultimately it. So, and then, then, uh, you know, the, the amount of, uh, time that it would, and, and, uh, resources that it would take to individually write a book of, uh, that would properly respond or properly, uh, you know, do Malcolm justice. It was just something that was beyond our grasp, particularly at that time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. 
so that, that anyway, that's that's why we wanted to do it. And, and then, of course, uh, Paul Codes reached out and asked us to 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 mm-hmm. compile a book that was, as he said at the time, uh, meant, meant to be something akin to the classic um, edited by Dr. John Henry Clark. Uh, Ten writers respond to William Styron's Nat Turner. Right. Uh, again, a collaborative effort to to sort of reclaim intellectually Nat Turner from you know this you know middle class white male writer. Um, so so that was sort of uh, uh, I guess the, the the collage of reasons behind why we did what we did and how we tried to do what we did. Yeah, yeah. That I mean that makes a lot of, of sense. Uh, you know and. Um, I, now I'm. I mean, I'll just say it straight out for listeners who probably uh, know if they've heard this series before. I mean, I'm I'm sympathetic to your uh, point of view and and so forth in the book. And um, but you know, if I take a, a kind of self-critical, analytic uh, look at my own reaction, um, it, it's sort of like because um, you started out by talking about the figure of Malcolm X. And I think a lot of people don't really understand how personally transformative Malcolm X has been to to people who, who he's touched. I mean, my whole entire life has changed from, you know, f- f- from reading Malcolm X and, and being inspired by him. I mean, that that's why I live in, in the Caribbean and I left when I was 20 years old when um, uh, I was living in, in Canada at the time. And um, I I just could not live there anymore. My whole consciousness changed. And, and this whole, the, uh, Malcolm X is almost like a holy figure and, and it's like um, sacrilege almost. It, it, it has this element of religiosity, which sounds cult-like to outsiders, I suppose. But I, I but, there, there is that element, and and he meant, and he he meant, and he means so much to people, in terms of 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 their own individual personal transformation, and and um, and what it means ongoing in their lives, in my life, that when um, you know something is is violated in, in, in such a way it, it just provokes a, a deep response I, that's certainly you know in in my view i i don't know if you feel the same way very similar and i think many of us feel that way and and i think you're right to to set that context uh you, you know for for your audience that it, to the extent that they're unaware that 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 is that this is uh uh a very accurate and I think um, wide ranging uh, description of how people feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you, you know, and, and to, to part of the previous question that I didn't even, uh, I think, address specifically, that this is why I think we were so willing to be, uh, as some have described it, aggressive in the titling of our book. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, taking a moment within the book to describe why we're saying this reinvention that was constructed by Viking press is in fact a lie. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm sure we can get into that in, in, in our discussion here, but, but the, but anyway, just, just the short of it is absolutely that that is, and in part, this was what was used and is still used to try to, to, um, uh, negate our critique. 
that yeah. uh, the defenders of Marable or Viking Press's work will say, well, you're just trying to defend this uh, unassailable deified figure and you're acting cultish and yeah. uh, so on. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so we've heard plenty of that as well, but which is why we were as careful as we could be in our book. Um, uh, uh, and I know I was certainly focused on that in my own contribution to the book to be very specific yeah. with what we were saying and what, uh, I certainly am saying about the, the Viking press product that I still have not seen anyone anywhere respond to uh, directly uh, to show where uh, my analysis or, or that of anyone else in our book is is wrong. All I've ever actually seen are criticisms of our tone or our, again, the title, yeah. uh, which uh, is, is fine, but it, it doesn't speak to the substance of the argument and certainly doesn't suggest that we're, we're wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's an important point that you, you, you raise at various points in the book that it is possible to be passionately partisan, but still factual, you know, um, that, that the, the two are not mutually exclusive. And in fact, I mean, and this, this is also a debate in, in, uh, the epistemology, the the history of of science and epistemology. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, what is objectivity? And and someone like uh, Feyerabend, who who I, I like a lot, t- talks about how you know, if you look at you know, um, uh, real scientists when when they when they push for innovation, it's not because they're objective and dispassionate. They're extremely passionate about something, and even when all the evidence is on one side, they know that this little one little thing is going to lead them to a whole new thing. So this whole idea of neutral, dispassionate um, analysis is not always the way to truth, and that um, passionate partisanship is an is one valid way to truth and and i think that's very much animating this book would you agree absolutely the point isn't to be objective in some fantasy uh, or, or or even nonsensical sense of having no world view the point of objectivity is as as i would prefer it to be understood is to say uh, to, to go through uh, various steps or methods to check your bias, uh, mm-hmm. to alert your audience of your bias, and to follow what you can prove with data and analysis. So mm-hmm. when it, it is it, it, this idea that, that those who, for instance, would defend Marable or Viking Press's work are, are themselves being objective is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and it is, is uh, part of the lie and the myth construction that goes into uh, uh, promulgating versions of the world that uh, serve people's politics and ideologies, but are cloaked or masked as objective, dispassionate research or journalism. And it's just, it's just nonsense. Yeah, you're right. Because what they'll do is they'll shoot the messenger and they won't even touch the message, right? And they'll say, oh, they're not objective. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter if they are objective or not. It's the fact Correct. But I say from the or beginning. Not. Yeah, no, I agree, <laughs> yeah. and I and I, but I just, but I just get it off the table from the beginning, from day exactly. one, from the start, and say, listen, I am not objective. I have a bias. Yeah. I have a politics. Mm-hmm. I have a worldview. Here is how I'm reaching my conclusion, and I, and right. I'm encouraging you to look at that uh, to see whether or not uh, you know there's logic there or or, or accuracy. Uh, exactly. That's You're an open the best book. way, and, and it's and it's, it is actually the most honest way to engage uh, a community or an audience. 
It's it's Precisely. dishonest when people claim objectivity. Right. And so so we're speaking about honesty, dishonesty, and you mentioned the lie thing. So can you um, elaborate what you mean by a lie of reinvention? Uh, I know you do say in the book that you're, you're not deliberately accusing Manning Marble of lying, but you have it in the title. So so I'd like you to elaborate on that and then and tie it in to, you know, you refer to him as the nominal author and you raise questions about his actual authorship. So, yeah, if you could um, address those issues, I'd be I'd like that. Sure. The the well, let me start with the last part first by saying that that for me is is uh, post uh, publication uh, speculation. I'm, I just right. I don't I don't argue this in our book. I don't necessarily even argue it outside of our book. It's just something that I think that I raise in in an attempt to be honest. That yeah. if if you look at the uh, trajectory, for instance, we talked about it a little bit already. If you look at the trajectory, and my colleague Dr. Burroughs has done this more than I have, but even with, with my own, uh, uh, you know, look, um, mm-hmm. if you just look at Marable's career uh, and his his output over his career, agree with it or not, I think you see a stark departure in this final book. Yeah, uh, in it terms is of surprising. Political trajectory, it's, it is. It's surprising, both yeah. in terms of its sloppiness academically mm-hmm. which i'll come to in a minute but also ideological trajectory it's just it's just very correct it's a departure the mm-hmm. other part obviously was that he was ill for a long time and uh, uh and very ill uh, at the point of publication of the book and having published nothing that uh um grand i would admit but having published some of my own having just produced media and journalism or just having worked in general uh, I think many of us could recognize that uh, a debilitating uh, terminal illness, one that has someone hospitalized even for great amounts of time prior to death, would, would have a negative impact on their ability to focus and, and concentrate and, and produce their best work. So yeah. uh, uh, I, I just and then when you look at, as we have on our at, at, at my website, um, I mix what I like dot org, you know, people can see. Uh, for themselves, a presentation by the publisher and editor, Wendy Wolf, who I think in many ways admits to having a heavy hand in the, in the final version of the book. She admits her own political biases in, in saying how she didn't really understand Malcolm X. Being a white woman from the middle class in the South, she, mm-hmm. she grew up afraid of Malcolm and, and afraid of the ideas of Malcolm and not knowing much right. about Malcolm. You know, so she's, you know, she, <laughs> which, which actually is probably an appropriate reaction for, for many people. Yeah. And I think an important admission when talking yeah. about the influence one might have on the final version of a book that's meant to supplant Malcolm's autobiography as the definitive, yeah. as they called it, uh, uh, masterpiece uh, yeah. about Malcolm X. So that, that's, that's, one part about the speculation about his authorship. The the lie part is is in reference to the construction of a reinvented Malcolm that the book attempts by erasing his nationalism, his pan-Africanism, his socialism, his anti-imperialism, his 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 uh, 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 views on guerrilla warfare and armed self-defense, his views of anti-colonial struggle throughout the world, his views of, of labor and capitalism. I mean, all of these ideas that made 
Malcolm the figure he is still today throughout the world, the heroic symbol of revolution throughout the world and the threat to the leaders of this world. All of those ideas are either suppressed, erased, attacked, assaulted, diminished, dis- dismissed as immature, uh, the, all to the point by the book's epilogue where Malcolm is then reconstructed as someone who would have been perhaps in Barack Obama's cabinet or part of his uh, security, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. defense team. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it's, in, in, it's in charge of the drone program. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's, and it's a remarkable, I, 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 I've had to read it several times, uh, particularly the epilogue when I first got the book, because I could not believe what I was seeing being done. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, anyway, so, uh, that is essentially the lie that 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 we were uh, accusing of that in the book's construction. That and then when you get to, um, as I mentioned briefly, the the truly sloppy academic uh, work, uh, mm-hmm. the the absence of citations, the poor interpretation, the truncation of quotes, the the the, the complete rebranding of Malcolm. It becomes uh, something that you you itself is a lie in terms of a representation of this quote unquote reinvented uh, Malcolm uh, and someone who the book sort of claims falsely reinvented himself um, in some sort of uh, you know scandalous or or um, uh, I don't know scandalous yeah. or demeaning way manipulative, or, or, or manipulative yeah way. thank you that's the word I'm looking for manipulative yeah. Way. And this is mm-hmm. as, as opposed to someone who was assassinated at 39 and as someone who is now yeah. 10 years older than that myself. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, the idea that we would suggest that any of us would stop growing, evolving and changing and then somehow to, mm-hmm. to, to twist that into some sort of self-constructed reinvention uh, in some, again, scandalous or manipulative way is, is so disingenuous that it has to be described as a lie. Yeah, and and it's it's it goes beyond disingenuous for for those of us that you know have really been affected by him. It, it it moves a kind of sacrilege because one of the things that anybody who admires Malcolm X and anybody who even just knows some details about him, there everybody is totally impressed by his integrity. His, his his life is it's just so full of integrity right and his pronouncements his his changes are are you know he he grapples with his changes uh, i mean it it and and to suggest otherwise that the, that this integrity which we all recognize as being as being essentially who malcolm is is is, is some mask to to all sorts of uh, sordid um details and and what is is really crosses the line, I think, for for many of us. No, uh, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And by the way, to, to draw a connection to a thread I, I left un, un or disconnected and dangling earlier is that the book itself does not include these missing chapters. There is yeah. no so all of the years, and I'm talking about years. Uh, mm-hmm. At least for me, a decade of conferencing and traveling within the the the, the black academic community, uh, where this was just discussed routinely uh, with excitement to to not get those chapters, to not see the chapters, to to uh, and then to have a, a book uh, not add anything new, 
while simultaneously dismissing previous existing scholarship, which led to other, uh, raised other questions that this book does not want to address, specifically the role of the state in his assassination, the the role of the counterintelligence program, which somehow is is uh, all but entirely, if, if I remember correctly, Mumia Abu-Jamal contributes an essay to our book criticizing the Marable product in part because it doesn't even mention the counterintelligence program at all, uh, which which leads Mumia, a political prisoner himself, a, a black a, 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 a black radical journalist accused of, of uh, kill, killing a police officer and held to this day uh, in, 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 in prison, uh, despite... Anyway, people should investigate the nonsensical yeah, that the, situation. The most um, famous political prisoner... Yeah. United States uh, for decades, and, yeah. and my and again, and by the way, my colleague Dr. Burroughs is doing some uh, seminal work right now on on him, and will be coming out shortly. Anyway, but 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 the 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 what he what anyway, Mumia had to use the word tragic in reference to this Marable book uh, because of its erasure of context and erasure of. Uh, uh, um, what would, going back to our other point, made Malcolm a threat both politically and scary to his, uh, I guess, you know, one day editor and publisher, which is one of the reasons why we argue, uh, I certainly do specifically, that the book was constructed in such a way to, to a- appeal to a white middle class affluent audience, which is what has to be targeted if one wants to become a New York Times bestseller. Uh, and get all of the plaudits and accolades that the book uh, has received. Yeah, a a lot of interesting stuff there. I mean, you know, even um, the autobiography. Now, I, I, now I am not of African origin, right? I, um, I am of Indian descent, but Caribbean. You know, my family has been here since the nineteenth century, and whatnot. But, um, but, but still, Malcolm X just just deeply transformed me and, and, and whatnot. But um, for me, when I approached Malcolm X, when I discovered him, it, it was through his speeches, right? Through By Any Means Necessary, uh, Malcolm X Speaks, um, uh, all, all the collections, the Pathfinder books, and uh, those are the things available in the 80s and stuff mainly. And um, yeah, and... And I mean, I just absorbed all of that. I, I I went, I came to the autobiography very late. Actually, it was probably the last thing I, I read of his. And uh, and I mean, you know, most people that's the only thing they read of his. And um, and I realized that when people were recommending it, they they didn't seem to understand the full depth of his political ideas, and and it was like the personal story, which is fine, you know that that they gravitated to, but they didn't understand the whole Bandung and and Afro-Asian solidarity and the, the third world nationalism and and all that stuff. So I mean, so when I read the autobiography, it, it, you know, great you know great story, moving and and whatnot, but it it didn't touch me in the same way. As his speeches, I, I always loved, loved, loved his, his speeches. I think he's the greatest orator in the English language, period. Um, the, quite apart from the content. I mean, the way he delivers it is, is a whole other thing. But, um, uh, yeah, so, so even in, in that context, I, I found the autobiography to erase his political ideas or mute it or, or, or put it on the back burner. Um, 
So yeah, and and what um, this book is doing, uh, Manning Marble's uh, autobiography, by trying to even displace the autobiography, it's like twice removed. Uh, not only is it backgrounding some of the ideas, it's it's uh, dismissing them, uh, insulting them in a way. You know, when when they were so so central, um, I I think that's very interesting, and and it ties in to to a very interesting observation you you make that that. That is uh, sparking, you know, ideas in my mind, like about the kind of uh, the agenda behind it being pro-state, and and this is kind of part of of what was so wrong with the Obama administration, right? I think one thing that was wrong was that the way so many white liberals and others felt they ticked off this box, uh, you know, that oh, okay, well, we elected a black man to the White House, so we're we're done with that, so we we've we've paid that debt. But, you know, Obama was not even a descendant of slaves, of an American slave. To this day, a descendant of an American slave has not sat in the White House. So that box is not checked. Right? And, and I mean, and, and that, that's not only a, 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 a trivial thing, because I, because I think his sensibility was not, is more of a white liberal than, um, than in the radical black tradition of the United States. And, and that, and that, so a lot of the, the suppressing of the ideas, what you're talking about, and, and not addressing COINTELPRO and the FBI, I think it's because Obama was in the White House. So it's like they, didn't, they did not want to – this is why Obama got to, to bomb more people than George Bush. and start Because when he was in the White House, people didn't criticize U.S. imperialism anymore because it was Obama. You know, they, 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 they let their guard down. And this book seems to me, it's kind of like put in that tradition then, like, you know, it's, it's pro-state almost, pro-government, pro, uh, uh, you know, uh, pro-establishment. Uh, you want to, what's your view on that? Well, that is essentially my exact argument that yeah. the, the, I keep calling the the book a product for a specific reason, not only that right. it is, but that it's meant mm-hmm. to play a particular role as such. And that being produced by, as I tried to talk about in my contribution to our book, uh, being produced by Viking Press, which is yeah. part of an international corporate uh, consolidated publishing uh, uh, empire. Um that does have its own politics and ideology and, and, and those of its uh, editors and owners and publishers uh, uh, um, have, they have politics and ideology. There is a worldview, uh, not only that they have, but that their audience has that again, in the video yeah. that we link to on, uh, uh, you know, and talk about a little bit, uh, in writing it, with the editor Wendy Wolf is is she's explaining that she's coming to 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 the project with this worldview of fear of not only Malcolm but the ideas that he represent uh, and this is so the question is how do you shape that conversation for that audience well one way you do that is to erase the or diminish uh, to the point of erasure the mm-hmm. the conflict with the state. 
which then calls into question the nature of the state. What is the function of the state? What is it, what is it here to do? And calls into question the nature of the relationship those elite, affluent, mostly white liberals have and play. Yeah. If, if, if I could just sure. interject here. Please. Yeah. I, per, per, to, to just add to what you're saying, it's like, because now it's so amazing that the biggest cheerleaders for the CIA and FBI is, is the left. You know, I, I can't believe that, right? Because because they hate Trump so much, they now love the CIA and FBI. It's it, it's Look, the same it, kind of thing. Fifty years ago, it took exposés by uh, then considered, I guess, investigative or radical journalists like uh, uh, um, is it Ed Bernstein? I can't remember his first name. Yeah, yeah, but that's to right, expose yeah. the CIA connection to the commercial media and journalism world in this country. Nowadays, mm-hmm. the mainstream liberal elite media invites the CIA and yeah. defense intelligence and military uh, uh, spokespeople to be there pundits and spokespeople so it's remember when they were embedded in the war in iraq i mean yeah well even (laughs) and now today they're just regular analysts you have the former nsa director on msnbc almost on a regular basis this is their this is their analyst team so so you don't need any sort of covert manipulation on that level of course all of these media are themselves owned by the most consolidated uh conglomerates uh, 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 you know corporate world and and hedge funds and private equity groups Uh, anyway so these news media are themselves the spokespeople or the mouthpieces or uh, or outlets for that class that race that political agenda uh Mm -hmm. so so the one point i just wanted to quickly make is that that so anyway, there's a politics to not only media, but academic publishing and journalism, et cetera. But mm-hmm. what, what, what was done, uh, and what I at least and others are arguing was done in this, this Marable Viking Press product has, uh, uh, and we predicted even at the time, has been carried out subsequently by, for instance, one of Manning Marable's protégés, Peniel Joseph, who was a very highly... Uh, touted uh, a, a black studies scholar and self-proclaimed founder of black power studies uh once he called himself the father of it um <laughs> and and who has written his own books doing the exact same thing politically both to malcolm by trying to connect him uh as a political antecedent to barack obama uh, suggesting Barack Obama was the logical outgrowth of Malcolm X. And then he's done the same thing even more recently with uh, Kwame Ture or Stokely Carmichael by making doing the exact same thing. And I've written about this uh, a little bit uh, as well, uh, doing the exact same thing. And as literally a marable protege, uh, redefining and rebranding Stokely Carmichael or Kwame Ture as someone who would have more or less... Um, uh, uh, should have been more or less just a liberal Democrat, but who made himself marginal and irrelevant by moving left of those politics. And uh, uh, and to your point where you started, the only person I usually can think of who would rival Malcolm X in terms of his English-speaking oratory is Kwame Ture. And he's only he's one of a few, I would argue, is rivaled throughout the African world and Black America as someone as a singular symbolic um, a, a, a political image uh, and conduit of black radical uh, ideas, and yet, and so, so these two figures have been subsequently and in succession assaulted in the same very corporate uh, neoliberal academic way by Marable and Viking Press, and then subsequently in, in, uh, uh, by Marable's protege. 
uh, and well, again, funded and placed and prominent academic Peniel Joseph. So, uh, and, and for those interested, you know, just to be fair, I have, you know, directly said and written all of this to Professor Joseph. He's been on uh, my own previous radio programs to debate so anyway but but i will be interviewing him on the series as well i hope you do and i and (laughs) i I, and i and i I has a new book out he does and i invite people to uh, read it and his previous work carefully and to see uh uh, whether or not they agree with what i'm saying (laughs) yeah exactly exactly uh, I, and I mean, you know, when, when, when you talk about that, I mean, I, I just find it so galling, um, you know, to, to imagine that, you know, Malcolm X would be, you know, that Obama is, is the outcome. And it's so superficial um, because, you know, the thing is that Obama kind of looks like Malcolm, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and oh, oh, you know, one of the things about Malcolm X, I can't remember who said it, if it was Greg Tate or, or somebody else, but I, I, I thought it was such a great little line. They said, you know, Malcolm X never took a bad picture in his life. Right? I mean, and, uh, you know, so there's the image, right? And and Obama kind of put that down. He's got the thin, you know, the, his, his body type, his, uh, you know, the suits, wears really nice. And I mean, you know, he, he's really got that, that look, but I mean, the policy, I don't think the people of syria iraq or afghanistan uh, the his fellow muslims uh would would uh, agree that, let's uh, not leave uh, libya off of there either i mean yeah, he libya, libya. oh my god that's yeah. right yeah um yeah, yeah. and uh, but yeah so uh, uh, another thing i, I want to say is because it, it's it's really great in in a way um, the discussion I had with uh, Michael Sawyer was was excellent about the political philosophy of Malcolm X and and um, and elucidating the principles um, which which motivated him consistently throughout his life, so that these apparent wild changes are not wild changes when you understand it correctly. But um, so w- one of the the things that that was constant in in Malcolm's thought uh, was his amazing critique of the media which is still totally totally relevant today and and he he had it, it wasn't just that he he you know he and he didn't like the media he he had a very sophisticated view of the way the media creates lead black leaders for example right he said you know if if the media goes and and they put a microphone in front of someone all of a sudden they're a black leader they may have no following they may have no organization and uh, and then on the other hand Real black leaders like those of the Nation of Islam, whether it be Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, or up to today, Louis Farrakhan, will be marginalized by the media and uh, treated as cranks and outside uh, outsiders, or, or uh, even though they have the support of thousands and thousands of black people, um, quite outside of whether the media um, nominates them or not, and then how 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 the media chooses people like. Uh, you know, uh, okay, I won't name names, but they choose people to be their their spokespeople and uh, who who have no connection to um, to the black community, but they become the talking heads on on the TV stations and whatnot, and that and that there is a political agenda behind all of this. So Viking Press illustrates this, doesn't it? I, I want you to comment. 
Well, first of all, we we I, I'm, first of all, I'm glad you 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 raised this point because uh, to understand what has happened to Malcolm posthumously uh, or even in his lifetime, and to understand uh, uh, how he's discussed or carried today, does it require some attention to the history uh, of the media system in the United States? Uh, something that Malcolm was very well. Uh, aware and attuned to, uh, which is why, as I quote all the time, he, he, he was he was perfectly right in saying that the United States in the time of his own life had perfected, as he said, the science of image making. Yeah, uh, before Chomsky, yeah. Malcolm X had it all worked out. He oh, just yeah. didn't write it out like a book. No, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and, and of course, I mean, Chomsky wasn't uh, the leader of, uh, <laughs> of an anti-colonial movement and targeted by the state for assassination. Uh, so, Correct. so it, it, does, Correct. it does help your career. Uh, um, uh, and, and anyway, so, so Malcolm was very well aware of, of the power of media. He was also very well aware uh, and intentional in his use of media. Uh, you talk about his his uh, his images. You know, he also went everywhere with a camera and documented uh, as best he could his own from his own perspective, uh, not only fo- photographically but in his diary, uh, which which has in the last few years been published. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that I encourage people to see as well. So so he was very well aware of that, but. And, and even within our own uh, book, we, we allow, uh, if I remember correctly, Brother uh, Kamau Franklin, who at one point uh, as an attorney worked with one of the accused assassins of Malcolm, in his contribution to our book, talks about uh, the, the uh, as he's, is he, I believe as he lays out some of the potential errors or mistakes that Malcolm made in his uh, very intentional, uh, aggressive engagement with media uh, that may have exacerbated uh, existing problems. Uh, so, so we even do make some room for a, a critique of our, of our beloved hero, but mm-hmm. Malcolm was very well aware of that. And, and, um, it is very interesting to note to your point that if we look at the history of American or U S media, that is the, uh, it, it, there is a, a context that needs to be somewhat understood where in the, the media that helped promote and propel Malcolm to prominence uh, saw that as an error that w- itself uh, was corrected. I would just to arbitrarily put a date on it by at the latest 1980, at which point uh, you almost never see people uh, of these anywhere in, involved in these politics allowed in commercial media. Whereas up yeah. to that point, particularly with the 1959, the hate that hate produced uh, by CBS mm-hmm. and Mike Wallace, where the attempt was to promote Malcolm in a way to uh, 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 encourage him as the antithetical um, uh, preferred mainstream civil rights movement that they wanted black people to be encouraged to. Uh, and it, it mistakenly gave Malcolm airtime. And uh, all that that did was uh, encourage black America to say, well, uh, at minimum, he has a point. And for many of us, he's exactly correct. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Could you sure. just clarify that? I don't know if you meant to say it or if it was a mistake. Did, are you saying that the hate that he produced, the CBS Mike Wallace special, was was meant to steer people towards Malcolm or no. towards Martin Luther King? No, I'm saying they were meant to steer them away, away from Malcolm. Right, and, and, right. And, and okay, so good. To say that it was, it, yeah. it was, my point was to say that they were promoting Malcolm as the antithesis to the version right. okay. that they wanted 
black people yeah. to go to. And it yeah, failed. they're saying, look at this monster. That's right. And everyone said, wow, he's amazing. And they said, wait a minute, everything he said is right. Uh, or, you know, at least, we, at least we want to hear more, or at least yeah, I think he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's touching a nerve that, that resonates with us. Uh, and, and it increased the popularity of Malcolm. It increased the, and even throughout, uh, the, the, seventies where you would have, you know, even conservative, uh, uh, mainstream white hosts invite people like Huey Newton onto national television to discuss. Yeah, like Dick Cavett or something Dick, like not that. D- not just Dick Cavett. I'm forgetting, uh, um, the name, I'm, the, the, the name I'm really wanting, uh, um, uh, the, the, the conservative I'm, whose name is escaping me is uh, Buckley. Buckley. William F. Buckley. Thank you. I'm yeah. so, I'm so I was good. it would have destroyed my day to not have remembered that. <laughs> uh, but, but people like th- that that is something we would never see today. For instance, that's right. That, that and that by certainly by I think by the 80s, mid 80s, we would not have seen any more uh, in commercial media because it was understood to be a mistake. Because it was understood that too many black and white and others would would see this message as some something that had logic to it. Because of course it does. So yeah. so that that had to be uh, erased to to the point where today, uh, if we're not only getting full blown uh, intelligence Pentagon you know uh, uh, analysis, we get certainly. A, a very conservative, uh, or at best, what would be called, I guess, today in the United States, liberal black political yeah. analysis. That's uh, very interesting yeah. because I notice you're born in '71. I'm I'm born in '68, so we're roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered Malcolm X, this was before Spike Lee. This was in the '80s, so it was a, it was hard. I mean, you didn't see images of Malcolm X, and whenever you saw it, like it was. The, the most famous one was by any means necessary one with him with the gun by the window. And I mean, and that was like a shocking image. You had to go like, you know, get, to get the tapes here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, almost like, you know, you're dealing in contraband and, and whatnot. It was, it was very different. And you're right. I, I didn't, I, I, and now that YouTube is here, I can check and see in the seventies and sixties and fifties. You know, I mean, they you know, Malcolm X was was there in the media in a way that that there was a real censorship that was happening later. That's a that's a very important even point. that famous debate that's famous now with 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 Malcolm and James Baldwin. I mean, you I can't yeah. imagine anything akin to that occurring on CNN today, for instance, or absolutely, or, or, you know, whatever. I mean. the, the it just doesn't happen. So it is meant to create this idea that if, as I argue about Marables and actually Peniel Joseph's work on, on Kwame Ture, it's meant to argue that by the time you actually confront their ideas, it's meant to be seen as immature or irresponsible or something passe. Uh, yeah. When in reality, everything that they were arguing would be more relevant today than ever, given that the conditions of black people in this country and in many parts of the world are, are actually materially worse than they were at the time of Malcolm X and Kwame Ture. So, I mean, the the idea that we shouldn't be considering any number of these ideas is, to me, absurd. But but to argue that they were somehow uh, irrelevant in their time or that their ideas became, in, in the argument of Joseph as it relates to Kwame Ture, irrelevant uh, uh, in, in the, in the latter part of their lives is, is demonstrably false. And one of the points that I would argue in both cases and have argued in both cases to, is something you've raised that if you simply go and go to YouTube or anywhere else and listen to Malcolm or listen to Kwame Ture, you, there, it is, un, you don't have to agree with their analysis, but it is unmistakable where they are encouraging us to go. So yeah. it doesn't require, I, of course, I want everybody to read 
you know, our, our work and, and, and all of that. But it, it clearly doesn't require that you read a book co-edited by me to realize that Malcolm was not encouraging us to become liberal Democrats. It, That's it, right. It, it doesn't require me to write an essay, uh, you know, about yeah. Joseph's work to, to hear Teray yeah. say that we don't we're not advocating liberal democracy. So so it, that mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. those ideas must uh, uh, in perpetuity yeah. be assaulted, you know. That's right. That's right. Because that is very because they're trying to fold Malcolm X and Kwame Ture into the left, right, and and into liberal, you know, the, the sort of liberal democratic message. And and yes, there are some points where there's a lot of overlap, but there are some points where there definitely is not, you know. And uh, and and that's and that's what they're kind of trying to erase, and uh, you know, making Malcolm X into a civil rights um, leader. Even to no. your point about, I just very quickly, mm-hmm. sorry, even sure. to the point you made earlier about uh, Malcolm's autobiography, which is, you know, obviously an imperfect document. Uh, yeah. The, the you know, Daruba bin Wahad, the former Panther and, and political prisoner, made a great point many years ago. He said that, but when you read Malcolm's autobiography, you, you, the, 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 the concluding effect is to make you want to become more radical. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it, it may, it, but when you finish reading uh, a lie of reinvention, there's nothing that is inspiring further radicalism. Uh, it's it's in, it's 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 almost as if it was arguing to your point that that Obama's presence was the culmination. Uh, in fact, I argue it does say that that it, it's that that, mm-hmm. that Obama's presence was the culmination of Malcolm's work, and therefore we can now move on. Uh, you know, exactly. Malcolm can rest in true peace now. <laughs> and I just think exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like saying, well, now, man, all right, well, that's that's the past when you're absolutely right. It, it is it is as alive, you know, the question of black nationalism um, and uh, are are as relevant and not civil rights and integration, but but black nationalism and separatism is still something to be debated, but it's suppressed. It, 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 it's not allowed to be part of the discourse anymore. No, and and I, I think that is um, that that's uh, a terrible thing, and and I, it is deliberate. I, I do believe it is deliberate. Now we we've been talking a lot about um, you know the different points of views, which which in many ways is is legitimate, right? I mean, so so we are passionate about a certain point of view. We also think it is absolutely correct <laughs> in uh, you know in in representing Malcolm's thought, and 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 we can probably show it. But somebody else may have a different view, and that's fine, and that's a legitimate debate. But there's something else you also uh, talk about. It, it's not that you simply disagree with that you profoundly disagree with with his with Marable's view as expressed in the book, uh, and that um, and that you can demonstrably state why he is in error, which is important in and of itself. But you. Uh, but I think that there's an important point that you raise about um, the sloppy scholarship, the things that he misses, which allows him, therefore, to make these absolutely wrong conclusions. C- can you elaborate on that for us? Well, the, the example that I, one of the examples that I use in my own contribution that I think is glaring and uh, most relevant given the election cycle that we just came out of is that Marable's book, literally truncates uh, statements from Malcolm's uh, final work uh, as a member of the Organization of Afro-American Unity on the subject of voting. Uh, 
the with the uh, with the obvious goal of trying to reconstruct Malcolm's argument to be something that would have us, as is often argued here, that we do vote blue no matter who. That yeah. is support the Democratic Party nominee, regardless of their policy or or, or promised uh, agenda. And uh, uh, what I show, and I you know document the page, pull out the full quotation, and essentially what is done is uh, Malcolm's comments arguing that black people form independent blocks and candidates and campaigns. That part is erased, uh, leaving it just saying something more along the lines of "We just need to be engaged as voters." Yeah, um, with the Democrats. With, well, he doesn't say with the Democrats per se, yeah. but but whenever you're talking to black audiences. No, no, no sorry, sorry. I, I mean, that, that's what the, the, the sure. dominant line is. Absolutely. That's not what Malcolm is saying. Yeah. No, no, no. But, but, I mean, the, but I'm even saying that wasn't what Marable was, was saying Malcolm was okay. saying. But, but I'm right. just saying, but when you leave out the the independence of campaigns, of blocks, of, of, of politicians and, and, and platforms, when you leave that out specifically, you are misrepresenting what Malcolm was arguing be black people's engagement with electoral politics. And that, and I'm just saying that in line with several other, uh, uh, ish, uh you know, approaches is meant to, to bring us by the book's end to where I talked earlier about this, this goal of lining, uh, Malcolm up in the trajectory of, of Malcolm uh, and or vice versa. So th- there's that. There is, again, what we talked about in terms of a, a complete um, erasure of uh, reference to the counterintelligence program. There's a there's a, a very slick way that Marable and we, we detail this. I and, and several other contributors in, the, in our book detail this, but uh, with actual references and page numbers, et cetera. Uh, but we show that that what is what is done throughout the book is to. Uh, diminish or uh, uh, reframe Malcolm's radical politics as again immature or something that he would would eventually have grown out of or was moving toward yeah. growing out of. Um, but then there's a lot of other simple things by you know the speculations about Malcolm's sexuality that, that are not that uh-huh. are both uh, not substantively they're not they're they're first of all there's no um, uh, evidence for the, the claims. Even if that is an issue, one way or another, I'm just pointing out that there that that there are no. Uh, for instance, they say that when Malcolm claims that a friend of his poured talcum powder on a white man as part of a paid sex work act, uh, that Malcolm was in fact referencing his own act, and that this was an actual reference to Malcolm's latent homosexuality. So, it, 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 so you you go from taking something from literally taking something uh, uh, that Malcolm says someone else did without evidence saying Malcolm did it and then saying that without evidence, without evidence for that act, that that act is in and of itself evidence of Malcolm's homosexuality. And then by, I think, um, page somewhere in the 600s, I believe, they just list Malcolm uh, so you do that earlier in the book, and then by the book's end, they just list Malcolm as a pan-Africanist, social, you know, something, a, a, a nationalist and a homosexual and an activist, and, and they just list it as if this was was reality. Now, this is not me making a comment on, on you know, whether or not he was gay or whether or not this was uh, good or bad. My point is only that, uh, uh, for me, it's... Na- it, it isn't, but 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 my point is only that it is a claim made and used uh, to sell books and promote the book, 
that has no factual basis in it whatsoever. Uh, yeah, on yeah. another instance, he speculates that Malcolm had an affair with a young woman uh, working with him in the OAAU, and and uh, if I remember correctly, actually literally says may have gone to see her at a hotel. In other words, there's no evidence for the claim. There's no. Uh, um, the, uh, uh, it's just made. Um, mm-hmm. Then conjecture, conjecture. yeah. And to me, the, the biggest speculation, uh, absolutely. The biggest academic crime for me is that the works of uh, Carl Evans, of Zach Kondo, not Carl Evans, I'm sorry, of Zach Kondo, of Peter Goldman, uh, of Bill Sales, and several others is folded into the work of Marables, clearly borrowed from these people's work and yet is is dismissed on page 490 of Marable's book of as as being books all written in the 90s that were more or less useless and needing to be discarded if not updated. Uh, so there's no explanation for this claim uh, and there's no explanation for this claim specifically given in light of the fact that those books provided Marable with almost everything he has in his own book because uh, there's there's uh, almost nothing new provided substantively in Marable's book uh, that readers of all these others wouldn't have already known. Um, uh, it, so it's 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 a way of trying to supplant not only the autobiography but all other works as the definitive masterpiece, as the book is called. Specifically, I argue because those other books point to much more of the political context, particularly Zach Condos, uh, but Sales as well. Uh, that that Malcolm was actually uh, dealing with, and that that Marable doesn't. So specifically, the anti-imperialism, anti-capitalism, pan-Africanism, nationalism—all of those ideas are are again, uh, uh, you know, de-emphasized in Marable's work. And then, of course, the role of the police, and the FBI, the state in 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 Malcolm's assassination is almost entirely removed. Uh, in favor of the more preferred, simple, and historically inaccurate uh, uh, narrative that this was just uh, Malcolm's death was just the result of uh, of an internecine gangster beef within the Nation of Islam, uh, which of yeah. course is the narrative you would want or have to have if you want uh, an affluent white audience to um, uh, buy the book. By the way, this is in media. Uh, it, it, at least in my work, and I think several others, and many not not maybe enough, but but is is part of a media analysis, by the way, which is uh, how uh, commercial media, broadly speaking, work in this country. That the target audience, regardless of the people's color on the screen, is white, affluent, uh, um, mostly uh, middle to upper middle class uh, consumers. That is who is meant to 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 be served regardless of the nominal black or brown content of the media. So in terms of academic or popular academic writing such as this, that would certainly uh, still be the case. Yeah, I mean, th- those are, are very, very important uh, issues you raised. And there's a lot of stuff I want to uh, touch on. You know what? Um, and you know, the, the, the constant speculation and, and interjection and um, commentary, which is unsubstantiated, you know, that pushes Marvel's uh, narrative in a certain direction, you know, which, which softens Malcolm X, as you say, you know, so that 
he could be palatable for you know to be a New York Times bestseller, and then it becomes part of the American pantheon, and 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 Malcolm X is, becomes a civil rights leader now instead of a black nationalist wanting a separate state, right? I mean, it's like you're not allowed to say that because it sounds crazy or whatever. But but that that is you know his that was part of his uh he he wasn't just speaking about you know black pride you know uh just for black pride's sake right there was a, a there, there was the black nationalist obje- objective which is erased from discussions of of Malcolm X that, that all he was was about being you know proud of of how you look or your history it it was there was a conclusion to that. Or waiting you know, to engage I, in violence or, you know, some sort well, of abstract yeah. violence or terrorism, something like that. Yeah. 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 Now, um, and one thing I do want to touch on, which is very sensitive, I know in the United States and you touched on it, but, but it, it now what I, one thing I, I like to say is that we have freer speech here in the Caribbean than you do up in America because we don't have the, uh, uh, we're freer to say certain things that are not allowed to be said in, in the United States. And I want to touch on, on the, the aspect of, of homosexuality and, and the accusations of it. And I say it accusations um, purposely, right? And, and people say, oh, well, that's homophobia and whatnot. I, I, there, the, this focus on the homosexuality, I think, is extremely important, and and to 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 sidestep it because uh, out of fear of being, and I'm not saying you're scared uh, of it, but I'm just saying that a lot of people are, you know, uh, sidestepping it um, because they don't want to be called a homophobe and and whatnot. But the, the the point is that all right, if being gay or if your sexuality doesn't matter then why talk about it so much if if it truly doesn't matter if it's something that that he that malcolm x did not talk about so i mean i i thought there was this thing about not outing people if they didn't want to be outed right so that that that, that's one thing but i i think you know the, the dave Chappelle. um story is very important here when he left comedy central and he told oprah that every black man he saw in in every single black man you could think of in hollywood on tv had to wear a dress at some point every single black performer every single black man they put in a dress and they were trying to put him in a dress and he said you know what? Didn't Flip Wilson do this already? Didn't everybody else? Why? Why are you putting me? I I don't want. That's not funny. I don't. You know, it's been done before. And then you know, he came into the uh, dressing room, and they keep trying to bring it up over and over. Put him in the dress. Put him in the dress. He said, "No, you know, I that I I'm not going to do a skit in a dress. I, it's, it's, I don't think it's funny." I, and then one day he came into his, his dressing room, and and there was a dress there, and he said. And so he asked, you know, what, what is this? Oh, well, you know, oh, well, we, we thought this, this is going to be great. Don't worry. And, you know, and that, that was one of the things that made him leave. You know, this is, it, it's like putting Malcolm in a dress now after he's dead, right? It, it, the, the, and I don't think it comes from a place of empathy, right? Well, what this is, is people hijacking Malcolm X for their own agenda. It's not respecting Malcolm X's mission, 
It's not respect because this idea of Malcolm X being the shining black prince, um, which is such a powerful and important, you know, uh, statement about about you know, Malcolm X was not only uh, about black people, but about being a black man, and that's important, right? Um, and and um, to, to to emphasize the homosexual aspect is no matter what you say, it is attacking that directly. I I really and I don't think it's homophobic to say that at all. I I don't know if you agree if you want to touch that subject at all, but but I I, I do think it's important. No, I don't have a problem dealing with the subject. My my issue is would be. Um... So there's a couple things happening here that I think you are you are right to point out. One is that, uh, from at least from my point of view, I don't have necessarily a problem. Listen, I don't have a problem with homosexuality. I I don't mm. have a problem with it existing in the world. I don't have a problem with it, seeing yeah. it as as a natural part of human existence. Yeah. I also don't even have a problem with people talking about whether you know all of the the social political construction of all of these sexual identities and behaviors and all of that. I don't have a problem with any of that. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, uh, I also do recognize to your point that in the in the current socially constructed uh, 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 version of of man and womanhood, Malcolm had been become a particular, as Ossie Davis said in that statement, a particular a, a perfect exemplar of what for many of us would be the 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 uh, standard for manhood and black manhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with, with, there is a masculinist pride associated with all of that. I get all of that. And I also would uh, have no problem discussing that as equally part of a socially constructed reality. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. I, in that context, I also recognize I have no problem dealing with or, or, or engaging what I would see as the very real concern of there being a political agenda, given this socially constructed re- reality of, of man and womanhood. Uh, within also a context of white supremacist, capitalist, colonial, you know, policy that white uh, owners and, and controllers of media would prefer that the depiction of black manhood that uh, does f- inspire fear in them be depicted as softer, more effeminate mm-hmm. and, and, and to your point, put in a dress. Uh, I do think that there would be, you know, so so there. It, on the one hand, it would be, I think, to the point I think you were trying to make earlier. I think it is perfectly possible to be both uh, sort of uh, uh, a pro, uh, you know, sexual freedom or whatever, and recognize the political nature of depicting black men in this in this specific example as as Mm -hmm. feminine or 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 women uh and so my point in that directly as it relates specifically to this is as i said if malcolm if it had been known proven or stated by himself that malcolm was gay that for me in particular would uh i couldn't say would have obviously would have to have some impact on 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 how I interacted with him uh, uh, as a symbol, but it would not mm-hmm. in, in any way diminish him 
as a hero or a, 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 a political figure of, 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 of value and importance to me. That's right, because look at James Baldwin, right? I mean, come on, James Baldwin's openly gay, but but man, he's, you know, but what would have he, had he is also a strong black man as well, you know? But what would have had me supporting Baldwin would have been his political positions, not, Absolutely. not his private sexual That's right. or his public performance of that sexuality. I don't, I don't, Correct. One way or another. Yes, I look, I admit, as particularly as a young boy, I, I looked up to John Amos as the father on Good Times as yeah. the ideal. And, and I do notice that today, and I talk about it even some in my own in, in work, I do notice today that there that that, that it is it is hard to find black male uh, depictions in that uh, of that kind in commercial media. I don't see too many James Evanses in, in commercial media anymore. Uh, but but mm-hmm. I but but I can also uh, uh, be accepting and welcoming of other performances of maleness or manhood or sexuality. But then I can also recognize the political nature of that as well. So That's so right. and in terms of this this issue with Malcolm, the, the it is obviously since Bruce Perry's book in '92, it has it is in, in before that in, in other circles it has been uh, speculated, debated, argued about Malcolm's sexuality. Uh, with with an equal absence of evidence that he was mm-hmm. at any at any point in his life a homosexual, um, yeah. but it is it it is something that has uh, been used to attack the uh, I guess was would be described today heteronormative behaviors in black communities to uh, 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 to try to devalue Malcolm again in this socially constructed reality where in yeah. some spaces homosexuality is seen as anti uh, humane and anti man uh, manhood it has been used the claims of his sexuality have in fact been used yeah. to try to sever his importance uh, uh, to black men in particular in this country and to devalue him among black people uh, so uh, it, it, there's there, again there are a number of different things happening here. And what I try to stick to in terms of the public discussion of this work is, is that whatever side on, on this issue you fall, the objective reality is there's no evidence for the claim. Marable offers none. In fact, what Marable's book does is it, it is so anti-academic, anti-journalistic, anti-logic yeah. that, that it, 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 it it is it is itself meant, I think, only to muddy the discussion and the debate and to sell books and to, again, make white audiences feel better. Because, yes, I do argue and believe that uh, mainstream, liberal, affluent white audiences that are not welcoming of black radical politics and certainly are uncomfortable by um, uh, heteronormative displays of black manhood would prefer to think that this figure that still inspires fear among them could be un- in their own mind's eyes diminished by having uh, these accusations of himself having been gay or at least having cheated on Betty or or so on and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, that is why I'm arguing, is how I would at least argue the the, the politically constructed nature of this discussion is being carried out. But no, but but to your point, look, I get it. Uh, um, there, there absolutely are uh, differing opinions and views, and I do absolutely think there is an attempt constantly to attack uh, again the, the heteronormative black male uh, 
definition or, or performance of manhood, um, not because of it's quote unquote toxic, but because I think it quote it, it, it inspires fear uh, mm-hmm. of the coming rebellion that those in power uh, should always be afraid of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I mean, it, and, and as you, it, it, uh, you know, as you you know um, suggested, I mean, it, it is it is a pr- a prurient interest, right? Because it, it because whether whether Malcolm X did those things or not, it. it does not affect anything afterward. It, it is pure, you know, scandal and prurience based on nothing, um, and, and it is certainly not based on empathy. Right? Listen, because I, it, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but can I read? Yeah, I think sure. with Greg Thomas, the way Greg Thomas in our book introduces his his yeah. chapter, on yeah. it, I, I think he does so, a great. Yeah, I mean, really, you can do it. Read it. Yeah. He, he starts. Out, he says. He says, "What kind of sex did Manning like? If he actually had sex at all." Was he into oral, vaginal, anal, all, or all of it? Did he do it in couples, groups? Did he use condoms, like it raw, like old dirty bastard? Before he died, had he ever turned a trick or have sex for profit, whether he liked it or not? Honestly, how many penises apart from his alleged own, assuming he has one, of course, did this sex of marables involve over, over time from his pubescent adolescence to his waning years? And what was up with his move from one wife or marriage to another as he moved from one college or university to another in the upward mobility of his academic career? Did he take advantage of, the, of New York City's virtually endless sexual landscape, whether in the dark, in, whether in the dark or in the light of day, or just a, a few students in the classically Greco-Roman crosshairs of Western pedagogy and pedestry, pederasty rather? Yeah, yeah. How kinky did the sex get for Marable? Did he like the toys, role play, domination, or submission? How about fisting? Did he, did he put it on video? Did he like to watch? Or even uh, if, even if, ah, it's not scrolling. Even if others would <laughs> not care to see it, or even if not, even or even if no one cared to hear any of the answers to any of these questions at all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, and then he goes on. Think, yeah. Thomas does this question of: Should we even be asking this? Is it even relevant? And exactly. what would people's re- re- reactions be if this was the line of inquiry uh, of someone of a well-established and accepted yeah. scholar like Manning Marable? I mean, exactly. Then, what 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 if that constituted your book review? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. That's exactly. What it, you know, and it, it's and it's. And then it's based on, and then to go into it, and it's based on nothing. Well, I think he might have liked fisting. You know what I mean? It's like what? It, it's 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 ridiculous. It's stupid. It it makes it. So it my adds argument would nothing. be the only thing I would add to the argument here is that if if Greg Thomas had reworded this as an accusation or a statement of Manning Marable's sexual, uh, as a f- statement of fact about Manning Marable's uh, 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 behavior, sexual behavior. It would have the same, the exact same amount of uh, substance of uh, evidence, evidence right. support for the claim that's right. that Malcolm is, is a homosexual. So that that's that's that would be my additional point to make about. Yeah, it. yeah, and and you know the the other thing too is, is is that by going down that that route, you know, I mean it's it's, it's brilliant the, the way when you when he turns it on uh, when Greg turns it on. Um, uh, Manning Marable, it how how absurd it 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 is revealed to be, you know. And but but it's more than absurd. It. Like it's it yes, makes me exactly. uncomfortable to read it. Exactly. Why would why would anybody be asking about this? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And, and and not only is it is it um, irrelevant and uncomfortable and absurd, absolutely absurd and and prurient and 
even morally questionable as to why you would be delving into that stuff. Um, it, it, it again, it, it gets to the heart of of really what Malcolm stood for, who he was, because because also in very much tied with the integrity we talked about earlier is his moral uprightness, his discipline of self, right? eating one meal a day, um, you know. Uh, being faithful, um, you know, so these things are, are it's, not, it's not just a flippant observation. Oh, I wonder if he cheated on Betty. You know, it's not, no, this is, this is not just a, 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 a you know, what if. This attacks the very heart of the, the man of, of who he claimed to be and, and how he inspired millions of others, you know, and, and so if, if you want to attack that, sure you can, but, you know, because if you like that. <laughs> because see this is this is ultimately my point if you attack the man for the reasons he was attacked and assassinated in real life then you would have to acknowledge the process that involves and you would have to acknowledge for instance the role of the state you would have to acknowledge the role of media you would have to acknowledge the role of the police and the military you would have to acknowledge the role of a capitalist economy you would have to acknowledge the role of a colonial uh, 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 and, and uh, uh, an imperial empire that the united states uh, uh, is and was uh, defined as such by malcolm in his life you would have to you would have to consider the 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 never ending wars this country is engaged in and the amounts mm-hmm. of money and resources put to those wars and to suppressing people here and abroad. I mean, that's why it is, it is these salacious claims are brought up at all. That's why that's right. uh, so much effort has been put to posthumously rebranding Malcolm for the last 50 years. I mean, this is what has, this, this, it didn't start with Marable, but it certainly uh, has been, uh, um, it, it, you know, uh, in, uh, propelled that process by, by the work of Marable. And which has itself produced the basis for the most recent Netflix series about Malcolm, yeah. which is equally empty of uh, substance, and which based itself on Marable's book, and which actually uh, on screen takes a shot at our book in a scene where you right. see him going to the bookstore uh, uh, that I used to frequent all the time that, that Marable and Marable supporters never enter, but yet his book, <laughs> his book was there and next to ours. And yet it was theirs, his, that was selected to, to make the point that ours was, was not to be, uh, uh, selected. But, but the real point of all of that is, is that you want to, the, the goal is to extend the attack on anti-imperialism, Pan-Africanism, Black nationalism, socialism, at a time when the, the again, the community uh, from which Malcolm came most immediately here in the United States is materially worse off today than in his own life, when wars that he was speaking out against are, uh, uh, have uh, continued endlessly, including 20 years for this last one, this most current and recent one. Uh, the, the, the police violence that Malcolm spoke out against is obviously increasing here in the United States. As he pointed out, the police do locally what the military do internationally. So again, that's why we see this this constant uh, police violence here and militarized uh, uh, what is almost 800 bases of U.S. militaries around the world. Uh, this, this is, these are the issues that are meant to be attacked in today's moment. Uh, that's as, right. And this is what caused Malcolm to be a threat 
when he was alive. So to me, it doesn't it doesn't matter if every single thing he's accused of, he did and more. I wouldn't care yeah. if Malcolm. The point would be Malcolm. If 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 the only sober moment that we saw him was when he's speaking on those YouTube videos. If the only moment he wasn't cheating on Betty or engaged in some sort of salacious sex act was those moments he's speaking on in YouTube. If in fact that was the case. It would still remain. It would still equally remain the case that he That's was assassinated right. for those ideas, not for what he's accused of doing. Uh, That's even, right. Yeah. Even if he didn't leave a perfectly yeah. clean and moral life, That's he right. He, even if he was a hypocrite, that That's everything he said was was he didn't believe anything he said. It That's doesn't matter say, what he said. Yeah. When people say King plagiarized his his dissertation, he wasn't assassinated for that. He wasn't assassinated for the claims that that's he cheated right. on, on on Coretta either. So so they, that's the only thing. So I don't I don't want to say I don't want to excuse any kind of contradictions or or quote unquote bad behavior. But what I always want to re- want us to say focus on is that this was not what made him a threat. This is not what made him in- an inspiration to us and and a threat to those that would suppress us till still. Absolutely. And and I think what what you make very clear in that and and uh I I'm I'm glad you did is that yeah, if Malcolm X was alive today, he would not be a pro-establishment figure. He would still be an anti-establishment figure because the problems have not been solved. Because what they want to say is that the problems have been solved and therefore he would have joined the establishment. And I think that's, that's, that's I believe, if I think about it, that's the central point of your book, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, to the, to the, even one of the points we were making earlier, the, you know the world couldn't his 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 presence today would mean that the world could not currently exist as it does and that's why he was yeah. fascinated when he was there could not yeah. have been a Jesse Jackson and a and a and a, and a whoever else a Sharpton and a and an Obama and a and a Kamala Harris a Kamala Harris none of these figures would be possible if Malcolm had not been assassinated because none of them would rise to the standard that Malcolm had already set. And, and, That's and right. we could at least speculate likely would have maintained. Yeah. So, so because if, because if he, if he could land base King and Adam Clayton Powell in his lifetime, the, these guys that you just mentioned would have gotten it hard for Malcolm. <laughs> well, just imagine, I mean, 50 more years or so of, of Malcolm X's analysis being in the mix, if not entirely followed, just in the regular mix of black politics. You know, people have to, you know, we just saw Bill Clinton disparage Kwame Ture at, at John Lewis's funeral a couple of months ago. We have to remember that John Lewis in his own memoirs wrote that while the head of SNCC in 1964 and traveling throughout the continent of Africa, he said every stop they went to where Malcolm had been, every African leader they met said, if you're anywhere to the right of Malcolm X, we don't even want to talk to you. So so yeah. Malcolm had become the standard internationally for black American politics and engagement. So so it was already understood within black circles then and certainly by the state that if they were going to take us in a different direction, people like Malcolm would have to be dealt with and gotten rid of. So and not just physically, but posthumously in terms of their image, they would have to constantly be assaulted and rebranded so that we would never pick them up and look to engage the work in our lives that they were killed for in theirs. So that's, that's why right. we, that's why Marable's book and I'm arguing Joseph's and others about these other figures remain so important to the state because into the establishment, because they are constant reminders that, that, uh, um, 
this is the preferred trajectory for black people if we can get them away from the actual uh, politics and lived experiences and, and statements and stated goals of people like Malcolm and Kwame Ture. All right. Now, I, I've kept you a long time. I know you have to go. We could, I could talk to you for hours about this, but uh, so let uh, I. But I know we have to wrap up. So let let me let me ask you in a couple of closing things. One, just quickly, is so at the end of all this, uh, what about Malcolm X and his struggle? Do you think is important for people to remember today and to take more seriously? Well, I think the the commitment to all of those uh, various ideas with which he was struggling is yeah. something I would want it to leave us with. That it doesn't, to me, matter where we all come down on our feelings of any of these isms. It's that we grapple with them and incorporate them in our in our work and in our world today, as he did. Because, as I said, there is not one material indicator. Uh, of the condition of black people in this country that that would suggest that we have improved since Malcolm's assassination or that he would have accepted as as improvement, given this is the man that said uh, someone that plunges a knife nine inches in your back and pulls it out six is not to be thanked. Uh, You you know, so so as the material conditions of black people in this country and around the world continue to diminish and that of all people, in fact, as wealth inequality increases among all people around the world. Every ism from uh, armed self-defense, guerrilla warfare, socialism, pan-Africanism, nationalism, communism, internationalism, anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, all of these isms and ideas need to be incorporated into the work uh, that that, uh, any of us would be engaged in if we are serious about making positive change, including his radical approach to electoral politics, which is not adequately or accurately represented in these popular academic uh, uh, or, or media presentations of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know this book was published, you know, in 2012, so that's eight years ago, uh, and you're very active. So uh, can you just tell us about any projects that you're working on, if, if there's anything you'd like the audience to know about, and um, also where listeners can, uh, you know, find your work, you know, your website, etc.? Uh, as an honorific to the late, great Steve Biko, who used to perform emancipatory journalism under the uh, pseudonym Frank Talk and the title I Write What I Like, people mm-hmm. can find uh, the work I'm involved in, which is in multimedia uh, uh, and historically involving the hip-hop mixtape at imixwhatilike.org or at imixwhatilike for all your relevant social media. And that's where they could also find a lot of the work that I and my colleagues and comrades are engaged in. I do have a new book that is freely available in its digital form uh, that deals with some of these issues uh, in terms of media and economics and black radical politics uh, titled The uh, The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. So I would encourage people to check that out. But I'm also engaged in a lot of media work. Uh, interviewing and journalism and all the kinds of things with a lot of great people that they, that they can all again see uh, freely at imixwhatilike.org. Excellent, excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for this interview. It's really been informative and enjoyable. A real pleasure. Likewise, anytime. Thank you very much. So, once again, the book is A Lie of Reinvention Correcting Manning Marable's Malcolm X. And we've been speaking to one of its editors, Jared Ball. And thanks also to you, our listeners. Make sure you sign up for our notifications so you don't miss any new interviews on this channel in future. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.